You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, Disciple Makers, great to have you with us today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman, complete in all their powers is in the spiritual fight. And right now, today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nations. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We've got a rendezvous with destiny. All right, folks, great to have you with us today. And uh, been, uh, I think, kind of missed a week there somewhere or something. I, I'm sorry for that. Sometimes life gets in the way. But we're back now and so very grateful for your tuning into the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast on a regular basis. Thanks so very much for being part of this team. Listen, got a couple of things I want to talk to you about. First off, we've got a great podcast. We hope you agree with that. Wherever you see an opportunity to register your opinion about that, we hope that you do. Give us the big five-star rating or whatever. That is very helpful to uh, what we do here. Furthermore, we've got a couple of websites we want you to think about. We've got this 5Q Discipleship uh, emphasis we have here, basically discipleship based on five questions. If you want to know more about that, we got a basically a quick start guide for you at five. That's the number five Q discipleship. Five Q discipleship.com is where you can find the quick start guide to five Q discipleship. And of course, what we always recommend is you just go ahead and buy the book five Q discipleship. You can get that at amazon.com. And we have a resource called the new discipleship in the home. Yeah, there's a new one out. And that new one has some great stuff that you probably need to pick up on. So we strongly encourage you to go to uh, Amazon and get the new discipleship in the home. And if you'd like to hear it as an audiobook, yeah, you can actually hear it read to you. Not by me, but by someone that can seriously read. We are excited about that. And you can go to discipleshipinthehome.com for that audiobook. We think you'll Really appreciate that opportunity. So we want to go ahead and get today what we're going to get to, and that is uh, last time we talked a little bit about uh, some of Paul's advice to a young leader of his. And so we're doing a little uh, series called Letters to Young Leaders, and there's a couple of these uh, in the epistles, uh, First and Second Timothy, and of course Titus, where Paul is actually addressing young guys out there trying to do the local church pastor thing and kind of speaking into their lives. I think as Paul speaks into their lives, he can speak into all of our lives. So it's we're going to be in First Timothy 3 today and talking about some of the characteristics of these young leaders. So we're in First Timothy uh, but also there's some in 2 Timothy and some in Titus as well. Basically, the qualifications spelled out in these passages basically summarize in what we're going to do with four words. And those four words, I think, are pretty good for us to consider. You know, when a church goes looking for a pastor or for a leader, I just think it's interesting. What's the number one criterion you want to look for? And I, I remember uh, years and years ago, there was a, a church that was looking for a new pastor, and their number one qualification was, we want him basically to preach like the last pastor, without notes, walking around, using lots of illustrations. Boom. That was it. That's what they wanted. Uh, they were very disappointed with what they finally got. I can tell you that. 
having said that, uh, pro we probably need to put a little more thought into it. And as long as we're putting some thought into it, let's put some Pauline thought, some thoughts of Paul into it. I mean, what are we looking for when we're looking for a good preacher? I mean, that just preaching or good interpersonal skills or good looking or has uh, is young or has a young family. Well, again, I think we could probably go to these verses in First and Second Timothy and Titus and note the things Paul talks about. Now, I'm going to speak to you about four basic categories today, but they come from a guy named Daryl Johnson, who has a book called Leadership Handbook of Practical Theology, Volume 3. And there he talks about leadership and administration and the biblical requirements of leaders. So these come from Daryl, and thank you, sir. Uh, number one is commitment. Are would-be leaders today clearly committed to Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord? Is there a passion? I love that word, passion. Is there a passion to know God in all his fullness? Now, know where the main passion needs to be towards. To God. I want to know him. I want to know his will. I want to fall deeper in love with him. Is there evidence of a fire inside to know and to obey Jesus? Now, if you could put that kind of passion there, you could probably put some passion somewhere else. Like, all right, we not only want to have passion towards God, but also a passion towards other people and a desire that they might know that God the way you know him. Uh, now, again, this commitment, this passion, this evidence of fire, it's all incredibly important. <laughs> but I saw this the other day, the uh, bookseller, I don't know if you ever heard of this, bookseller magazine, booksellers, what it's called. Uh, they run a competition to find the book with the oddest title of the year. And you can imagine you've got some, uh, I think 5Q Discipleship ought to be up there somewhere. But anyway, th this competition stipulates that the work has to be of serious intent. So, and by the way, it has to be nonfiction. Again, 5Q discipleship works, doesn't it? But one year, the winner was Highlights in the History of Concrete. <laughs> now, if you've got nothing to do with concrete, that's funny. If, you're, if, you, if you do have something to do with concrete, eh, not so funny. I, there were highlights. <laughs> anyway, runners-up included the illustrated history of metal lunchboxes, <laughs> I kid you not, and the development of brain and behavior in the chicken. Uh, special mention was given to Soviet bus stops and butchering livestock at home. Well, that last one actually sounds kind of fascinating to me, but whole point here is it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing what interests people enough to spend time and energy to write a book and others to read the whole thing. I mean, why should people be passionate about metal lunchboxes? As Christians, we need to be passionate about what God has done about God himself, what he's doing and, and will do as we join with him. We need to be a passionate people. And sometimes we choose the craziest things for our passion, like a football team, like a baseball team, uh, like a particular interest in life, like fishing or hunting. Our passions say a lot about us. And Paul says, listen, we want to be a passionate people, and we want passionate leaders. Let's make sure they're passionate about the right kind of thing. So the first thing Paul seems to say is commitment. Next is conviction. Do the would-be leaders have biblically informed convictions? Are they learning what it means to be transformed by the renewal of the mind? to think Christianly about every dimension of their lives, whether that's money 
or time or sexuality or family or recreation, but we need biblically informed convictions, the right kind of convictions, and within those convictions, how should we order our lives? Now, real quick, before we go on, the reason you want leaders like this is because you want followers like this. The reason you want preachers like this is because you want congregations like this. So this has to do with all of us, not just leaders. Commitment, yes, and conviction, yes, and this conviction is important. Listen, most of us at the point of conviction and commitment need to be transformed. I don't know if you've read the books by Paul Brand. They're old now, way old, decades old. But Paul Brand teamed up with a guy named Philip Yancey, and they wrote some great books. You see, but Paul Brand was a surgeon, and Paul Brand worked with lepers. And Phil Yancey just heard Paul, uh, Paul Brand, and the more he learned about it, he said, man, I need to write a book with this guy. He's got insights. And boy, did he ever have insights. Uh, one of his books is called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Uh, other books, but I just suggest you look up Paul Brand and Phil Yancey and see what they've got to offer your life. It's wonderful stuff. But one of the things he talks about is raising a cat in a cylinder. Now, you might imagine uh, there's a cat uh, that... The only thing he's ever known is sort of a barbershop pole thing. You know, the barbershop pole, it has uh, this, this line going up and up and up and line going up and up. And it's turning around and turning around and turning around. Imagine that was on the inside of a cylinder and that's all you had ever known is that kind of crazy thing. Just this going round and round and up and it just... It would be mind-boggling to most of us now, but to think in terms of being raised that way, well, so cats were. They were raised that way. And then they decided, let's see what happens when we lift the cylinder off. And when they lifted the cylinder off, the cats went crazy. I mean, they thought, whoa, 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 wait. That's, this isn't right. And so what they started to do, the cats themselves, they started to try to spin themselves around. They started trying to turn around so that they could somehow get back to the world as they understood it. Now, what, what's, what's amazing about that is I think that's what conversion is about. Listen, conversion is God taking the cylinder off, and all of a sudden now we're looking at a world that is different. We're looking at a world uh, that didn't <laughs> doesn't make sense now, but it made plenty of sense yesterday. And this new world is where Jesus says, follow me and I'll show you the new way to live, the new way to understand, the new way to view the world and act within it. But it's confusing for a while. It takes time to develop this kind of commitment and this kind of conviction. The other thing I, I really like about Paul Brand is he talks about, this is more on the line of surgery, he talks about reconstructing the Royal Air Force faces. Now, the Royal Air Force, as you know, went up above London and beat off the Luftwaffe. And they were heroes during World War II. Winston Churchill just kept sending them up, and they kept heroically fighting back the Luftwaffe of Germany and saved London. And so they were heroes. They were huge heroes. But unfortunately, there was a flaw in some of the planes. And the flaw was when you hit the eject button, let's say you've been hit by the Luftwaffe and you needed to eject. When you ejected, there was a huge ball of flame that would basically burn off your face. And so these heroes of England had no faces, like they had no nose, they had no eyebrows, they had no lips. 
but these were the heroes of England. These guys saved us. So we've got to do everything we can to remake them, remake their faces. So Paul Brand talks about that. He talks about, you know, trying to reconstruct noses and, and making lips for these men. One of the things he talks about is the eyebrows. Now you say, well, eyebrow, how, how important is that? Well, it's pretty important if you're a hero of England and you've got to go out and face England in the next several decades. So he said, let's make them eyebrows. And so I said, we found that the best way to do it was to take a bit of scalp off the top of the head and with the uh, nerve and blood supply, take it underneath and put it right there where it could grow above the eye. He says, what's interesting is, let's say a fly would come along. So that, that, that surgery had been done. They had eyebrows now that had the nerve and blood supply of a scalp. And so let's just say a fly would come along and crawl across the uh, the eyebrow. What the guys were doing were was trying to swat their scalp. You see, <laughs> they needed total retraining to say, when you feel that, it's not there, it's here. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It would take the retraining of their minds to ever get to the commitments of Scripture, to ever get the convictions that were biblically informed. To learn to think Christianly, it would be a foreign dynamic until it became normal. And what Paul seems to be saying here is, listen, you need to have leaders that it's normal to have the right commitments. It's normal to have the right convictions. They will have to have been trained for a while to get to that place. But it's why we need to be committed to the things that give us the right commitments and the right convictions. We need to be committed to regular Bible study, prayer, Christian reading, small groups, the works of piety, and the works of mercy. Only then can we begin to think like Jesus wants us to think. So, letters to young leaders. Paul's talking about the characteristics of leaders that Timothy needs to be putting in place, that Titus needs to be putting in place. Number one, they need to be people of commitment. Number two, people of conviction. Number three, people of competence. Do the would-be leaders know how to make their way through scriptures? Can they help others in making their way through scriptures? Do they have a working understanding of the gifts? Can they help others discern and deploy those entrusted to them? Do they have the relational skills necessary for this position? Now, again, that takes some redoing of your mind to get to the place of competency. It takes work to know how to get through scriptures competently. It takes work to know how to help others find their way through sacred pages. But that Timothy, that Titus is what you want your leaders to be like, and that's what we want our congregations to be like. Years ago, I was out at a Boy Scout camp, and uh, I was supposed to be doing devotions. So Mr. Jim, who is a scout leader, would have me come out and do devotions every night. So make my way out to the camp and, and uh, say, okay, gather, gather around. It's about, about time to go to bed. And before we go to bed, Mr. Matt has something for us. And so everybody looked my way. And uh, I said, hey, guys, which way is south? Nah, don't put up your hands just yet. I want you to close your eyes right now and point to the south. Now, this campground that we were in uh, is called Camp Hood. And they, you know, there's, there's roads that kind of wind through it. And fr frankly, if you're not really paying attention, you don't really know which way south is. But every one of them thought they could probably point it out. So I said, just point that direction with your finger. And uh, I said, now keep those fingers up now. Everybody open your eyes. Everybody open the eyes, and guess what? 
everybody was pointing a different way. A couple of them were indeed pointing south, but most everybody was pointing north, east, and west, and variations in between. The whole point here is I had a compass. I said, guys, I know exactly where south is. Due south is that way. I know because I have an instrument that tells me it's that way. And guys, your instrument is the word of God. And there's going to be all kinds of people out there that tell you about commitment and conviction and competency that have nothing to do with the word of God, with God himself. And you need to understand that there is a God, he has given you a word, and this word is your compass. Trust in it. Uh, Boy, I tell you what, I hope that for my own family, for my own congregation, for my students at seminary, that we would, we would be people of commitment and conviction and competency, but we'd be based on something more than ourselves or even our local church. It would be based on the Word of God. Okay, there you go. Commitment, conviction, competency, now character. Do the would-be leaders, Timothy, Titus, do the would-be leaders take on the character of Jesus? Are they moving toward greater and greater Christ-likeness? Do they have things like self-control? Do they show hospitality to strangers? Do they have gentleness and control of anger? Is there a quest for holiness or temperance in their life? Is there evidence of dying to the love of money? Uh, that they don't always have to have it their own way. Are they faithful to their spouse? Yeah. That kind of character, y'all, is exceedingly important. And what we call that is holiness. We believe God says, I am holy, but we also believe God says, I want you to be holy. And I'm going to give you everything necessary that you might be holy as I am holy. And that comes down to character. Now, my favorite place to go in the Bible for character is the Beatitudes. Are you poor in spirit, empty of yourself and, and full of God? Are you mourning? In other words, do you cry over the things that make God cry? Are you meek? Meek means control. Are you under my control? Are you controlled by me? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? In other words, do you have an appetite for the things of God, not just an appetite for the things of man? Are you merciful? Now, that word mercy, back in the Old Testament, is going to be hesed. That's love. That's unfailing love. That's covenant love. That's a, that's ex, it's loving kindness. It's, it's mercy. Are you full of love? And then are you pure in heart? Do you want, basically, purity of heart is to will one thing. What is the one thing of your life? Everybody has a one thing. For most people, it's themselves. But your one thing needs to be me, my kingdom, my way of doing things. So blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, those people who bring Jesus with them into every situation of their lives, and Jesus becomes our peace in those situations. And then, most interestingly, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Blessed are those who can take it. Listen, you think that you love Jesus, everything's going to go swell with your life, and everybody's going to love you. It just isn't so. You will suffer for this faith. You will have hardship because of this faith. When you do, accept it with all joy.
qualifications for a leader, commitment, conviction, competency, and character. The greatest of these is character, holy character, Jesus' character. Now, I love looking at these characteristics. And again, you can find them in 1 Timothy. There's a whole list of them. You can find them in 2 Timothy, list of them. You can find them in Titus, list of them. What is interesting for me that the primary laboratory for all of this is the family. The things that get the most attention in the early church, both in number of times mentioned and the number of words given to the characteristics, was about the prospective leader's family. Get the family right, and you're probably getting many other things right. Get the family wrong, you're probably getting everything else wrong. And so the primary laboratory for commitment, for conviction, for competency, for character seems to be, hey, be the husband of one spouse, one wife. Have obedient children. Listen, if your leader has disobedient children, that probably ought to tell you plenty. And this leader needs to be able to manage his, her own family well. Husband of one wife, obedient children, manage his own family well. Husband of, of one wife is listed twice. Obedient children is listed three times. Manage his own family well is listed twice. Again, the, the things, when we're talking letters to young leaders, hey, Timothy, put in charge the right kind of people. The right kind of people, most of all, is the leader that has a good family. Get the family right, you're probably getting many other things right. And I guess it'd be, a, and again, another appropriate time to say, hey, why don't you go check out the book, The New Discipleship in the Home? Because if you do, I think you will love it. And if you'd like the audio version of it, check out discipleshipinthehome.com. And there's the audio version there on how to get that family right. My prayer is simply this, that you will have the kind of leadership characteristics that will be able to lead others to Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness is our goal. Christ-likeness is what Jesus wants for our lives. All right, it's a wrap. Honor to have you listen to the Life-Changing Discipleship podcast with Matt Friedman. Check out our Facebook page, Life-Changing Discipleship. I personally, Matt Friedman, I'm on Twitter. Hey, Come see me on Twitter. And remember, check out our books at Amazon.com. Just type in Matt Friedman into that Amazon search engine and see what's offered. Noise always, always to others about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you. My daughter thanks you. My sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you that I thank you for listening to Life Changing Discipleship today. Love God. Live clean. Keep the faith. Make disciples. God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon.